the the message. Uh, I've I've done probably more series on the book of Philippians than I have any other book of the Bible. Uh, I, I don't know how many series I've done. I just know that every two, three, four years, I keep coming back to this book. And there's a reason why I do that. I mean, uh, you know, I, I just, for me, um, I, I've preached on Philippians so many times because I feel like I have so much work to do in internalizing the message of the book of Philippians. I, I just see in myself, uh, and that, I'm not saying that's not true of other books of the Bible as well, but I just see so many things in Philippians that I want to be true, that I want to be true in my life, that I feel like I just need to continually, diligently work on it. And um, some of you, uh, you know, uh, those of you who know me well, uh, many of you know that there is an kind of this analytical part of my personality. I, I just kind of analyze things, everything. And uh, sometimes I get stuck in analyzing, uh, whether it's a message, a text of Scripture, an interaction with another person. But there's this analytical part of, of my temperament. And with that, sometimes I'm prone to, to melancholy. Uh, I, I, I get into and I can struggle with depression, and so I need to continually look for my joy, not in my circumstances, but I need to look for my joy in the gospel. And it's interesting, and, and, and this gets back to why I want to study Philippians and look at it again, is that, that if you read through the book of Philippians, I know several of you read through it uh, three times this week. Uh, some of you who are really, really diligent, maybe you've read through it more times than that. But if you, as you read through it, I asked you to circle every time you saw the word joy or rejoice. And I asked you to, to keep up with that. And then I asked you to go through and read it again and underline everywhere you saw the word gospel. Now, I don't know how many times you counted, but I went through this again. And this is what I found, is that 15 different times... The words joy and rejoice are used. Fifteen times the words joy and rejoice are used in the book of Philippians. And along with that, there's a couple other words like gladness or being glad and being cheerful. Those words are used as well on top of those 15. Then as I went through again and reading again, I underlined each place uh, where the word gospel is used. And what I discovered is that nine times the word gospel is used. Now, the word gospel means good news. Uh, it's the good news that Christ has died for us, that he has risen again, that by calling on his name, we can be saved. And so what does all of this add up to? All these uses of joy, rejoicing, being cheerful, being glad, uh, and gospel, what does all of that add up to? And, and what it adds up to is simply this. There's a whole lot of joy in the gospel. That, that is, if it's not the message of the book of Philippians, it is a huge theme. That is that there's joy in the gospel. And when I say there's joy in the gospel, I'm not just talking about knowing the gospel. I'm not just saying knowing the gospel story about Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. There's joy in the gospel. Joy in the gospel, meaning that there's joy in actually beginning to live the gospel. Paul refers to it as being a partaker of the gospel. See, some people, they hear the gospel, they know the gospel, they may believe in the gospel, but they have yet to learn how to be 
day by day, every day, becoming a partaker of the gospel. Being a partaker of the gospel in a way that absolutely revolutionizes your life. Now, now, my belief is, and part of the reason I'm doing this series is not just because I need it so much. It's not just me who needs the book of Philippians. I see it throughout our, our, our nation. In a good year, okay, a good year. I'm not talking about a year of global pandemic. I'm talking about a good year when the economy is robust, things are going well. In a good year, the uh, the Anxiety and Depression Association of America says this, that 40 million adults, 18 and older, in a good year, 40 million adults in this nation, 18 and older, will struggle with anxiety. They struggle with anxiety. In a good year, in a good year in this nation, when there's no global pandemic, when there's no economic downturn, when things are humming and going well, 15 million plus will struggle with depression. And in this year, beginning the year with a global pandemic, an economic downturn, some people are afraid of job loss or they've lost their jobs, work slowdowns. There is even greater anxiety and greater depression. And what I believe deep down in my soul is that you, you need the book of Philippians today. I believe this with all my heart. And that's why I'm preaching Philippians again. It's because I believe that I need it. I need to work on this. I need to work on living the gospel so that I can experience the joy of the gospel. But I think all of us need to do that. So what I want to do is I'm going to read the text for you, and then I want to share with you just three uh, simple uh, life principles that I think are are very important uh, in this text. Uh, First of all, Paul writes, and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. So right up front, he's he's, he's, he's letting the Philippians know who he is, uh, writing to them. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, uh, very, very quickly, uh, the people of Philippi knew Paul well. They loved Paul very, very much, and Paul loved them. Uh, we're going to see that as we read this. Philippi was uh, one of the leading cities, if not the leading city, of the province of Macedonia, or northern Greece. Uh, and it was uh, also a Roman colony, which meant that the city, citizens of Philippi were also Roman citizens. They had all the rights of Roman uh, citizenship. When Paul comes, brings the gospel to them, fascinating story, Acts chapter 16. I'm probably going to touch on that in weeks ahead. But Paul really loved these people. And so he's writing to them. And when he came to them that first time, he came with Silas and Timothy and uh, in Luke as well. But Paul writes to them and he says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all of God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons, grace and peace to you, From God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Because of your partnership in the gospel. From the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
And folks, I want to pause there for a moment because I, I just I want to point out to you that there is a fantastic promise uh, for each one of us in this text. I don't know if you've ever found yourself kind of messing up in your walk with Jesus. And, and I don't know if you've ever kind of felt like, gee, I, I wonder if God's done with me, if God's given up on me. And, and what I want to say to you, if you've ever felt that way, is this, that, that, that he, God, who began a good work in you, uh, we can mess up on our works, but God's never going to mess up on his work. That he, God, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus, the day that Christ comes again. This is what you can always trust in, believe in, hope in, uh, is, is simply this, is that, that God is not finished with you. Wherever you're at in your life, God is not finished with you. He has not given up on you. He is doing a good work in you, and he will continue that work to completion until the day that Christ returns. Verse 7, Paul says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all. Since I have you in my heart, I want you to see uh, Paul's love for the, for the Philippians here. He says, it's right for me to feel this way about you all since I have you in my heart. He cared for these people. And whether I am in chains, which, by the way, Paul was in chains when he wrote this letter to the Philippians. He was in a prison, probably in Rome. He was in a prison waiting to find out if he would live or if he would die. And yet as he writes to them, he says, it's right for me to feel this way about you, all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. Uh, the gospel. All of you share. Wait a second. Let me read that again. It's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart, whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel. Uh, all of you share in God's grace with me. Verse 8. God can testify... How I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. Again, I want you to see Paul's love for the Philippians. That he longed for them with the affection of Christ. Verse 9. Paul says this. He says, this is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more uh, in knowledge and depth of insight. So that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless uh, for the day of Christ, the day of Christ's return, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Let me uh, pray for us, and then we're going to look at this text a little bit more. God, today, uh, I just ask you, first of all, I want to praise you. I want to worship you, because you are a God who never stops working. You're a God who never stops working. We were just singing that a moment ago. You are a God that never stops working. You are a God who is working in us, and you will never quit. You will never give up on us. You are doing a good work in us, and you will carry it through to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. And in that, we give you thanks. God, today, I pray that we won't just simply be hearers of the word, but we will become doers of the word. I pray that we'll humbly receive the word implanted that's able to save our souls. I pray, God, that you would use your, your word, that you would convict us by your Holy Spirit, and you would use your word to change us from the inside out so that we're becoming more like Jesus. 
in, in our thinking, our affections, our attitudes, and our actions. And I pray this in Christ's name and for your glory. Amen. Three thoughts I want to share with you today. Three life principles. Number one is this. The joyful heart is a grateful heart. The joyful heart is a grateful heart. Where do I see that? Verses 3 through 6, beginning in verse 3, Paul says this. I thank my God every time I remember you. I thank my God every time I remember you. That the joyful heart is a grateful heart. Over and over again in the Bible, we see that gratitude and we see that thankfulness is a hugely important theme. It's something that God wants us to really internalize. The Bible says in 1 Chronicles 16, 34, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. In Colossians chapter 4, Paul is writing to a group of, of Christians there in Colossae, and he's writing to them about prayer and about being watchful in prayer and being grateful in prayer. And he says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful, alert, and thankful, really being grateful, that for us, God wants us to be grateful. And Paul was very, very grateful uh, for, for the Philippians. Gratitude, gratitude is one of the most important attitudes that you can really begin to cultivate in your life. If you will cultivate a spirit of gratitude in your life, it can absolutely transform every experience you find yourself in. Uh, joy uh, has said that she wants gratitude to be a part of the muscle memory of our family going through coronavirus and the home sheltering. This was something that she said we talked about. We talked about how do we want to go through this. And what Joy said, one of the things she said is she said she wants gratitude to be a part of her muscle memory. And so part of how we've been doing this is every night, I don't know if you can see the picture here that's in uh, the, the slideshow, but there's a picture there of our, the pantry door in our kitchen, okay? And uh, we are slowly wallpapering our door with uh, stick-it notes or post-it notes. And, and so what we do every night together is Joy, uh, Cass, Faith, and I, we have dinner together. And, uh, and after dinner, what we'll do is each of us gets a post-it note and gets a pen. And, uh, and, and we get to draw a picture of something from our day that we're grateful for. And sometimes it's just a walk up Rancho Solano Parkway. Sometimes it's a bike ride. Uh, sometimes it's, you know, just having dinner together as a family. But what we are doing and what we've been doing since we started home sheltering is every night, each one of us draws a picture of something from our day that we are grateful for. Now, folks, we don't know how long we're going to be in the home sheltering thing. It could be through the month of June, maybe even into July. Uh, there are some people who are saying it could be in 2022. I don't know. I, this is what I do know. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be afraid because God is our refuge and strength. He's our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. So we don't have to be afraid. But what we can do is not only be not afraid, but be grateful and thankful. There is always a reason to give thanks in everything. That's why the Bible says give thanks in everything. Um, but Paul was grateful. And the interesting thing about Paul's gratitude is that, that Paul was Seldom grateful about things, okay? Wasn't grateful that his, uh, wasn't grateful for his new car or his new camel. Uh, wasn't grateful for his, his new house or, you know, tent. 
uh, wasn't grateful uh, that his latest album, Praises in Prison, was at top of the charts from Jerusalem to, to, to Rome, okay? He wasn't grateful about things. But what he was grateful for is he was grateful for people. You know, here he's grateful for the Philippians. He's grateful because of their partnership in the gospel. He's grateful because he's confident that he, God, who began a good work in them, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That Paul was grateful for people and how God was working in people. Uh, There's a guy named R. Kent Hughes, um, Bible teacher, who says this. He says, Paul rarely thanked God for things. Rarely thanked God for things. Paul thanked God for people who who, despite whatever trouble they may have been to him, because sometimes they were, despite whatever problem they may have been to him, he, they remained a source of joy and thanksgiving for Paul. And so uh, the joyful heart, uh, the joyful heart is a, is a grateful heart. The more that we nurture uh, gratitude uh, in, in our lives, the more joyful we're going to be. It's very fascinating. When you go back to Acts chapter 16, when Paul first brings the gospel to the people in Philippi, what happens? He gets into the city. He meets this woman named Lydia and some other people who are gathered for prayer by a river. He proclaims the gospel to them. Lydia and her entire household became believers in Jesus. Then he goes and he is um, he's proclaiming the gospel in the community. And while he's doing this, there's a young girl who was a slave who had an, uh, who had a, uh, who was demonic, she was uh, demon possessed, and her owners used her, uh, to make money, uh, by, uh, fortune telling. And so what she was doing is she was going around behind Paul and those who were with him, and she was crying out, oh, these guys are, you know, they're, servants of the most high God and stuff like this. And what the Bible says is that Paul got so annoyed. He got so annoyed uh, that he rebuked the demon. The demon left her. And when the, the owners of, of this, this young girl, when they saw this, they realized that their opportunity to make money through her was gone. And so they bring uh, Paul and those who are with him <clears throat> to court. And and uh, they said, they're, you know, these guys are advocating things that are not lawful for us as Romans. And so the Bible says that that the, that they beat them with rods, okay, not with sticks. They beat them. They beat Paul and they beat Silas with rods. It says they severely flogged them. Then they ordered that the jailer take them, put them not just in the jail, but the innermost part of the jail, the place that was normally reserved for the worst of criminals, and to have their feet in stocks. And you know what? This is what they did. This is what they did while they were in jail. They rejoiced. They gave thanks. They prayed. And they sang hymns. That Paul was filled with, with joy and, and, and was filled with gratitude and his gratitude had nothing to do with his circumstances. That, that he, you see, Paul cared very little for what happened to him. He was just overjoyed at the salvation of those who were saved. And so Paul was grateful for the Philippians. And, and, and the joyful heart is a grateful heart. Secondly, the, the joyful heart is a loving heart. The joyful heart is a loving heart. Then what do we see here in Philippians 1 verses 7 and 8? 
In verse 7, Paul says of the Philippians, I have you in my heart. Do you see Paul's love there for the Philippians? He says, I have you in my heart. You know, it's one thing to tell someone you love them. It's another one to say, I have you. You are in my heart. Uh, He goes on to say, I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. That Paul dearly, dearly uh, loved the Philippians. Um, the Bible says this, you know, what, what this idea of love, uh, obviously Paul had a great affection for the Philippians. But Paul didn't just have an affection for the Philippians. He wanted everybody that he ministered to to really cultivate that loving spirit in their lives. And so we see it in places like Romans chapter 12 where Paul says, Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, We see it in Ephesians where Paul says, Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Um, where there is great love in our lives. When we have people that we've cultivated that kind of, of, of affection of Christ for, we, we have people in our lives that we love, that where there is great love, there's great joy. Uh, both love and joy uh, are a part of the fruit of the Spirit. The very first two uh, parts of the fruit of the Spirit that are mentioned in, in Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit is love joy and then it goes on and talks about the other aspects of the fruit of the spirit but but both love and joy are fruit of the spirit when when our hearts uh me okay i'll talk about me but i think it's true of most of us when my heart is preoccupied with self you know what that feels like you ever been preoccupied with yourself okay just me uh when I, when my heart is preoccupied, preoccupied with self, joy, joy in my life, joy shrivels up and disappears. When I'm preoccupied, when me, myself, and I, when that's what's most important in my life, joy shrivels up, uh, and, and, um, and I, I lose my joy. But when, uh, when we think much of others and less of ourselves, our hearts will be filled with joy. That the joyful heart is a loving heart. Finally, third principle, and we'll uh, finish up here, is the joyful heart is a praying heart. The joyful heart is a praying heart. Uh, Here in verses 9 through 11, the scripture says, uh, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Paul says, this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. The joyful heart is a praying heart. For Christians, for Christians, prayer isn't just one more thing we do. It's the most important thing we do. That, that prayer isn't just one more thing we do. It's the most important thing. When we work, by the way, working is important. When we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. The most important work that I have to do, the most important work that you have to do is to pray. 
The prayer trumps everything. You know, action is important, but prayer trumps everything. We want to pray for the people in our lives. We want to pray uh, like everything depends upon God because it does. If I could do, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the worship team to come on back up, please. But if, if, if I could do a parenting seminar in one word, a parenting seminar in one word, moms, dads out there, okay, in Facebook land, YouTube land, uh, if I could do uh, a parenting seminar in one word, it'd be this to pray. It'd be to pray. And, and, and what I would be praying for is I'd be praying for yourself, that God would give you wisdom, that he would give you grace, uh, in, in, uh, that God would help you to excel at, at, at affirming your children, building them up, encouraging them, uh, but, but uh, to pray for them. You know, I, I really believe that, that prayer is the most important thing we do. Uh, if, if I could speak to pastors about the work of leading our churches, it's real interesting. I, I go to church leadership conferences from time to time, and oftentimes we talk about leadership, 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 program, 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 leadership, program, oh, and prayer. And, and I really believe that if we are more focused on programs and more focused, uh, focused on leadership than we are on praying, then what are we building? What are we building? I mean, who's really doing the work? Is it us or is it God? And so we need to pray. We need to pray. And how do we need to be praying? How do we need to be praying? Um, This is how I want to encourage you to be praying for your immediate family. And this is how I want to encourage you to pray for your spiritual family. Because that was, that's central to what we're talking about here. That, that this is how Paul prayed, and I think this is a fantastic template to use in our lives. To pray for whoever we're praying for, our family, our spiritual family, that their love may abound more and more, that it may grow, that it may grow and multiply more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Uh, we don't want just sentimental attachment, but we want the kind of love uh, that's, it, that is abounding in knowledge and depth of insight so that our loved ones, our family, our church family may be able to discern what's best, may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. I really want you to think about how God is wanting you to live this text. I really want you to think about that. I don't want you to just turn off your computer and go about your day without really thinking about how do you live this text. And what I want to encourage you to do is, is this. Maybe just sit down and think of a person, one person, that you are grateful for. Maybe it's someone who's encouraged you, who was there for you at a key moment in your life. Maybe this person is uh, is someone that they're just uh, they have a, a very special place in your life. But but write them a note if you like to write notes, or if you're like me, uh, maybe you just email them, text them, but just shoot them a short note that says, "Hey, you know what? I really appreciate you. You really mean a lot to me. I am so grateful." <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, I kind of laughed because earlier this week I was looking at uh, Tessa's job description, what she does for our church. 
And after I got through looking at it, I was talking to Andrew on the phone yesterday, her husband, I said, I am so grateful for your wife. But, but take some time and just send a note of encouragement to someone. This morning, this is crazy. This morning I woke up and I do something I never do. I started reading my email before I read my Bible. And I got like four different emails from four different people, all of them telling me that they appreciated me for different reasons. Just out of the blue. Uh, one of them was from Joy. Another one was from Steve. One was from uh, Tessa. The other one was from Kimberly. But words of encouragement like that go so far. So I would encourage you just to send a note of encouragement, telling someone how grateful you are for them. Number two, make a list of the people in your life that you share space with, like in your home. Because sometimes the people we share space space with a lot, over time we can get on each other's nerves. And it can be wise for us to go through and just rehearse all the reasons why we are grateful for our wife or our husband or one of our kids, our mom, our dad. But just make a list of all the reasons that you're grateful for that person and give thanks for that person every day for the next week or until getting on your nerves is no longer getting on your nerves, okay? Third way to put this into practice is something I already shared. Uh, use verses 9 through 11 as a template and how you pray uh, for the important people in your lives. Joyful people are grateful people. They're loving people and they're prayerful people. Next week, we're going to look at uh, chapter 1, verses 12 through 26, Philippians 1, 12 through 26, and we're going to continue to talk about uh, the joy of the gospel. Let's pray. God, today, uh, we are so grateful to you. We're grateful that you have saved us. We are grateful uh, for all the blessings that come to us through the gospel. Not just the blessings that come on the other side of death, but the blessings we experience in the here and now. God, I am so grateful that you will never give up on me, that you are, you'll never give up on any of us. I'm grateful that you are doing a good work in us, that you will carry through to, to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Lord, right now, for those who are on the stage with me, for all the people of our church who are watching this morning, I pray, God, that our love will abound more and more, that we will have this ever-growing, abounding love in our lives, and that it will abound in knowledge, and that it will abound in, in wisdom and insight, so that we approve of those things that are good, uh, for the honor, the glory of your name. And I pray this in Christ's name. Amen.